Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games Premier Podcasting Duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my good, good friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? Hey, it's going pretty well, Riley. I uh, just accepted a job offer. Super exciting. It looks yeah. like the, uh, the boot camp paid off. It certainly did. <laughs> I was not, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting. Um, you know, just because, like, they kind of say, okay, you know, we have really good placement rates, but, uh, you know, some people will end up getting jobs right out of the boot camp, and a lot of people will end up getting jobs, you know, four months, five months, six months down the line. And so I was kind of yeah. expecting to be in that middle group. You know, I, I didn't I don't think I was at the top of the class. I certainly wasn't at the bottom of the class, but it was just kind of <laughs> um, surprising. You're coming from a different field, going into a new field. You just really don't know what to expect. I had my expectations very low. And so to have, you know, signed papers before leaving the boot camp is kind of uh, kind of incredible. So I'm happy to get my foot in the door and I'm going to be doing some app development, I think is kind of the, the blanket term. But uh, I'm sure I'm going to be doing a lot of just various things uh, in my new role. So it's really exciting. It is really so. Within the camp, did they like hook you up with recruiters or how does that process work? Yeah, so they they kind of did. I mean, yes and no. So they had a couple of days where they called them matchmaking days and we <laughs> met with people um, that were recruiters from various local companies. And I actually didn't get a job offer through that. Uh, in fact, I got a number of rejections through that, but that, you know, normally they don't hire, they don't hire a lot of people out of that. They hire, you know, maybe five or 10% of the entire like cohort out of that matchmaking. So it's not like an expectation again. Um, but, uh, you know, a number of my classmates got job offers out of that and I was like, okay, well maybe my, maybe my turn will come. And there was this opportunity that they posted. They're like, okay, Hey, we have this other company that's really looking for just motivated people. And they've you know hired from us before. And so I just kind of on a whim, I almost wasn't even going to apply, but just sent in my resume and, um, things moved really fast. And somehow I, I feel like this, uh, it can be true for a lot, a lot of people is you don't sometimes there are some jobs that you get that you don't really know what they see in you. Right. And I certainly <laughs> felt that way. I was like, wow, this moves so fast. And like, everyone seems really excited about me, but I don't really know why. And uh, it was cool. Yeah, it, it was just really great. So I'm, I'm, I'm super happy to, uh, to be um, starting this new adventure. That is awesome. Uh, super yeah. exciting stuff. Congratulations, man. And then we're going to be working together someday. Someday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Prez and, and Vice Prez of, uh, of Apple or something. Apple, I see. Yeah, Apple, Apple or Google, which do you want, Riley? Um, I'm on the tool, probably Google, but um. okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, <laughs> President VP of Google sounds good. <laughs> sounds good, man. Anything else exciting developing in the world, JW? Well, we have our you know final project uh, on Friday, so I'll I'll send out that link if anyone wants to watch. Uh, we do kind of a virtual presentation of our final capstone so if you're interested in that i mean you you might be i don't know i have some friends that do tech stuff i know there are there are a few of you out there that uh that watch the cat or listen to the cast that um are techies so i'll put that in the discord for you guys and other than that we are looking to put in another offer on a house tomorrow so that is also a very interesting and exciting thing in the life of jw but enough about me Let's talk about you, Riley. What's new with you? 
I'm, I'm not a ton, honestly. It's been relatively low key recently. Um, so you know, I'm just meandering by. I got, I guess you can consider I got a promotion at work. I don't. It's not really like Yo. exactly vertical. It's more like diagonal. But um, so that was pretty cool. Um, I lost a couple pounds in the last two weeks or so. I'm doing a cut um, ahead of the summer months. Uh, so I'm looking to lose a couple more before I um, start bulking back up again. And yeah, things are going good. Things are going good. Can't complain. Pretty sweet, man. Pretty sweet. So the world doesn't revolve around us, though. It revolves around the Pokemon trading card game. And within the Pokemon trading card game, as always, there's constant <laughs> development. Um, got a plethora of yeah. new cards from the next set coming out. JW, why don't you walk us through some of the, the highlights? Sure. I, I'm, I guess you could say I'm kind of going through some of the, uh, the non-V Pokemon, but they've released a, a number of them that are, I believe, going to be some of our pre-release promos in Cinderace, Rillaboom, Lycanroc, and Malamar uh, from the upcoming set. And so Cinderace, interesting little ability, allows your attacks uh, from the Cinderace to do more damage, depending on how many prize cards your opponent has taken, which is a, a nice little effect. Nothing too... Uh, unique about the attack, fireball, shoot, 150 damage for two energy. This Pokemon can't attack during your next turn. I'm really excited about this next Pokemon, though, Rillaboom. It's always nice when they make, uh, good, you know, kind of good cards that already have a playable card in the format, just giving that kind of evolution line more branches that they can play off of. And yeah, that's absolutely sure. what's happened here with the Rillaboom. So the Surging Beat, second attack on this Rillaboom, does 120 base damage and says you may discard any number of energy cards attached to your Pokemon. So all your Pokemon in play. Uh, and if you do this attack, does 30 more damage for each card discarded this way. So there's obvious synergy there with the other Rillaboom that can accelerate energy from the deck. You could potentially one-shot anything with that Surging Beat. It obviously takes a significant amount of energy accumulated, but it's even so, it's nice to have that option to include in the Rillaboom deck. Yeah, Moving I, on. I do wish that. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I do wish I had a little more damage on the multiplier. I think maybe the base sure. is fine. I I wish Pokemon sure. was willing to be a little more ambitious with uh, their stage twos. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe forty or fifty. I think would be very appropriate, even still, um, for that surging beat attack. But in any case, they've decided one twenty plus thirty for each energy is just going to be <laughs> how it is. I, I do agree with you, though. It'd be nice to have some some buffs for those stage twos to really make you like desire to play them as it stands. It seems like a good option. doesn't seem like an immediate inclusion, but something that maybe could be worked in. And right. then we have here some, uh, a Lycanroc and a Malamar. So Lycanroc is very akin to, um, the Vespa queen that we've seen in the past, uh, that does more damage for each Pokemon in the discard pile. However, these Pokemon must be single strike Pokemon. And so, that obviously limits what you can do, but it does have a base damage of 80 and it is a single strike attacker, meaning that it can get that boosted damage from the single strike energy. So all of a sudden rogue fangs, if you power it up with those two single strike energy, you can hit 120 base and then you're doing more for each single strike Pokemon in your discard pile. So certainly that Lycanroc again, seems very difficult to, to power up consistently. Seems very much like that Primeape where you might be able to get a swing off or two, but just to be able to consistently power up those Lycanrocs is going to be very difficult. 
Yeah, it's but, funny they did a like a I second see, yeah. like high damage output single prize two fighting yeah. energy attacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you know it, it definitely harkens back to you know the Vespa Queens of uh, of formats past. Our final Pokemon that uh, that we'll cover here, uh, at least the non non V Pokemon, is the Malamar. Has a rapid tentacles attack. Reveal any number of rapid strike cards in your hand, and this attack does forty damage for each card revealed in this way. Then shuffle these cards back into your deck. So the thing with this kind of attack is that it's definitely one of those intermediate attacks, right? Where where you you're never this will never see competitive play, at least. Not in my mind, uh, just because of how limited it is in the damage output and shuffling the cards back into your deck. But it's certainly one of those kind of intermediate cards where, you know, somebody is just stepping up from the wiggly tough GXs of the world and they need <laughs> something that has a little bit more of a combo base, right? So you can you can build them a Malamar Rapid Strike, Rapid Tentacles deck and kind of show them, oh, okay, so this is how Rapid Strike cars interact with each other. This is, you know, how you play with this and you can do these combos and this is kind of neat because you can grab out the energy with the octillery or you can you know put the stadium down you know there are just some things that you can do that are a little bit more um unique than just the the uh uh you know this attack this 40 damage essentially you know that that some other um very basic cards that you might play when you're learning the game do so malamar Probably not going to see play. I wish that it just didn't have that second clause, the shuffle the cards back into your deck that feels just so hurtful for an attack like this. For sure. <laughs> so, super painful. Got a couple more um, cards to be revealed. Uh, notably, a new pair of scrolls. So we have a single strike scroll, which costs fire, colorless, colorless, overreach, it just does 120 damage and it ignores all weakness, resistance, and any other effect on your opponent's active Pokemon. So kind of a shred attack. And then rapid strike scroll of skies, lightning and colorless flying suplex, 10 plus damage. This attack does 50 more damage for each energy on your opponent's active. So you made a really interesting observation here about these new scrolls uh, that I hadn't really considered before. Well, first, firstly, they're not actually in the game. So this is Pokemon trading card games, like departure from the lore of the games. And then there was also a really unique thing that you said about the typing of each of these scrolls. Yeah. I mean, in general, it doesn't seem like they're necessarily adhering to, to dark and water for the two strike styles anymore, but at, in particular, it seems like lightning and fire are both kind of being included into into rapid and single strike respectively and you see that reflected in the attack costs of the scrolls um you know fire obviously being an inclusion in rapid strike you have the emvor a great example of like a fire pokemon that fits into that i think the blaziken is also single strike um and then you have things like the Zeraora, uh which we talked about a couple of weeks ago which is a lightning type that is clearly meant to fit into the rapid strike archetype um so I think it's pretty cool that they're kind of expanding the horizon. I, I hope they continue to plug away at the the battle styles kind of archetypes. I think they're really fun. Um, it's cool to see like how you can combo all these pieces together that like have some sort of base level synergy, um, but need to be worked around in different ways. Um, I think among the two scrolls, the the rap strike one is definitely better. Um, sure. I don't think single strike really needs a piercing effect. 
um and i think the scroll scorn is just a better option for like at least for the bear um but i realistically i don't think either scroll will see much play sure absolutely and then we got a couple of supporters as well that i would be remiss if i didn't mention Single Strike Flannery, choose one Special Energy and one Stadium in play and discard them. And then Cybold, which is a Rapid Strike supporter, heal 60 damage from two of your Rapid Strike Pokemon. So we were talking about before the cast, Flannery might be just a nice little option for those expanded decks, right? You just always like to see, if you're a control deck for sure, you like to see things that can discard energy, you like to see things that can discard Stadium, and now you have a supporter that can do both. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's very similar to like Faba, um, where it removes either special energy or stadium, but Faba sent it to Lost Zone, whereas um, and this discards both as like the trade off. Um, so I'd be curious like if it can slot its way into any decks, but I I like the idea of it, um, and maybe even in standard like, um, maybe there's enough, eventually single strike supporters where, you know, you can use that kind of like single strike VS seeker. I forget the name of it. Uh, constantly like pluck these out and chip away at your opponents um so i like those i i think we should also call out that there is new energies for both rapid and single strike uh, so both of them getting kind of like a rainbow aurora energy of their own but the instead of like doing damage to yourself they can only be attached to this particular archetype be it rapid or single um, and they both prevent a status condition each. I think it's paralysis and poison. Um, That's right. So I, I think the effect is kind of goofy and not super useful. <laughs> um, but the rainbow yeah. part of it is cool. I like that. Um, yeah. I really yeah, wish absolutely. that the uh, the single strike... So the Houndoom specifically says single strike energy, which is referring to the strong energy like single strike card. I wish that it was like single strike energy card... So you could like accelerate stuff like this. I think that would be super cool, but it is what it is. <laughs> mm, I see. Yep. Yep. Anything else there, Riley, that uh, is grabbing you from the new set of cards? So not necessarily from like the non V pool. There was a, a new V revealed, the, the Lyperd V, um, which has the ability when you place it onto the bench, you could remove a tool card from an opponent's Pokemon in play. Um, so I mean, in the for most decks, I think it's like a no go on that. Um, you know, you're you're not really so desperate for tool removal that you need to have a quick ball searchable option. I think bench space is kind of premium right now, uh, but there's obviously a deck where that fits in. Um, hopefully, you can catch it, and that's Eternatus. Um, so it's a dark type basic Pokemon with a come into play ability. Which is basically exactly what Dentonist wants. So yeah. they want as many of those options as they can get. So I, I think Live Herd seems to be an obvious fit into your Eternatus deck, um, especially like if there are particularly relevant tools. Eternatus can play as many of they want of these. Really, they're just another bench sitter, just like any other. So I like I like that as a new kind of like tool in Eternatus' toolbox. It's always cool to see like what kind of interesting things you can include as far as like dark Pokemon within your Eternatus deck. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Blypard should be a nice option moving forward for Eternatus. Any other new cards sticking out to you, JW? No, I think we've covered the gamut uh, of those, at least that I know of so far that kind of, that kind of jump out. And I think this is uh, a nice time. You know, we can depart from the new cards, a lot of nice things on the horizon 
for sure. Uh, again, the, this metagame is certainly opening up in the current standard. And I want to talk about some of those tournaments that we've seen recently. Uh, we've had a number of very, very large tournaments. I'm actually kind of impressed. Every time I see a tournament that has four or 500 people that spans two days, that spans two days on a weekdays, I'm always just so impressed that uh, people would brave <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> brave the conditions there to, to, to make this happen. <laughs> it's just so much of a time strain, I feel like for a lot of people. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that uh, these organizers, you know, they've gotten these tournaments so large that they do have to have these two days, you know, you could play in a two day tournament again, like almost what half of the week, which is just absurd. Uh, but that's really cool. That's really cool to see if, I mean, if I was a, a tournament organizer, I'd probably start trying to figure out ways to maybe break them down a little bit. Obviously, there's a little bit more prestige to playing in a 500-person tournament and then walking out as the winner, but uh, it just doesn't seem sustainable. And I, I don't know. I feel like I would want to, um, or maybe it is sustainable. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Riley? Like, we have just these insane, uh, insane player caps here for tournaments. Um, have you thought about kind of the sustainability of this? I haven't really thought about the the sustainability too much, although I I will say it's it's really impressive that we're seeing like multiple in a day large tournaments firing off. It's uh, yeah, you know I don't know where everybody's coming from. It feels like they all went missing for the last three months. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, people are coming out of the woodwork for sure. So I mean, battle styles like obviously exciting people as the metagame has shifted. Um, You know, I think on the whole. Uh, from an organizer's perspective, it's probably sustainable as long as people are willing to like keep watching and entering. Um, I think what I would be almost more concerned about is people playing in so many tournaments so rapidly that they get burnt out on on the game. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think it's a problem to play in a lot of tournaments either. Like if if you're enjoying it, still keep doing it. Um, yeah. But. I, I think we've seen this a couple times where, um, you know, players have just playing these constantly, like every single day, um, and they get really burnt out or really frustrated, um, and it kind of like compounds upon itself because you're just constantly playing. Um, so I guess my advice to the listeners would be like, definitely participate in these. It's a really exciting time in trading card game, and to have this like really thriving online scene. But don't like pressure yourself into doing all of them either. Uh, make sure you're kind of like respecting your own time and. And taking rest or you know playing more casually outside of the tournaments um yeah. kind of recharge your batteries too it's not just about the the 500 man tournaments there'll be another one tomorrow i promise <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely well with this new battle styles format it certainly seemed to me at least that the format has started to open up a little bit now that's it's kind of a, a true statement and kind of a false statement because if you look at the metagame and you click on any one of these 500 person tournaments you're going to see at the top you know most likely adp followed by most likely you know rapid striker shifu followed by most likely uh, eternatus but i've seen a number of archetypes that are that are new interesting unique compared to last format and one of those is, you know, Omastar Gengar I've seen. I've seen uh, this Mewtwo Psychic variant that I actually lost to uh, pretty handily in one of the most recent uh, online tournaments. And then also Mewtwo with Rillaboom. Is there anything up there at the top tables that you're seeing that's, that's maybe a departure from what we might have seen in the last format that has you excited about this Battle Styles format? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing, and we commented on this a little bit last week, but it's definitely changed and how it's manifested is Mewtwo is definitely on the rise right now. Um, yeah. Nurse Review decks are all playing their little tricks to get around it. Um, some combination of Mimikyu and Jirachi, um, either individually or the both of them. But, you know, these Mewtwo decks, we're seeing are really digging deep into the hating Urshifu style. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know the psychic variant is like a fantastic example of that, where they're playing like multiple Jirachi um, to accelerate, um, and then all these like crazy psychic attackers. You got the you got the Gengar Mimikyu, you got the Trevenant Dusknoir, um, you have the Naganadel potentially to snipe the Jirachi GX off your mm-hmm. opponent's bench, um, and it's really hard. I mean, I think as an Urshifu player, the attack that scares me the most out of a Mewtwo is the Miraculous Duo. Like, you swing yeah. into that Mewtwo, and they get the, the second Psychic and the extra energies down, and they're, they Miraculous Duo, and you just it feels like the game is over at that point. Um, and that deck is really good at achieving that. So, But outside of just that deck, it, it really feels like the theme of these decks that are on the rise is... Urshifu hate, and you even see that manifesting in the form of like Mad Party is definitely on the rise right now. A lot of people playing Mad Party. Um, A lot of people playing just the Mew from Unbroken Bonds. And even, I think one other call out is um, is this like brand new like Orbital Healing deck that's also like very (laughs) anti-Urshifu. And you know, a lot of these decks actually have, like, kind of a bad Pikaram matchup, but Pikaram is just bullied so hard by Urshifu. It's, like, not a navigable matchup most of the time. Um, most of the time, yeah. It can be really tough, especially if they play the Mimikyu, right? Because then yeah. they can just ping your attackers, and your Mewtwo's, which is what you, you know, obviously are preferring to to attack with, and it just gets very hard to deal with because you really don't have the space necessarily in a lot of builds for uh, something like a stealthy hood to try to get around the Mimikyu. And so you're just kind of left with, with pretty much useless attackers. You could either go in with Mewtwo and, and get hit uh, and lose that essentially as an attacker, or you could try to go in with a lightning attacker and just get one shot. So it, it makes it very difficult. Yeah, it feels rough. And so the meta is definitely kind of shaping around Rapid Strike or Shifu. And I think for reasonable reasons, right? Like the, the 12120 is ended up being like pretty formidable, especially the fact that you can gust a uh, like a Dedene and take three prizes a lot of the times pretty easily. Um, uh-huh. It's just a very threatening deck. It has a lot of damage. Con- it has a lot of consistency in its damage. So you like may not do the most damage with every deck, but you're swinging for 150 turn two, um, and you have a couple of modifiers. So you're like pretty cleanly like two hit KOing things a lot of the time. Um, that's so, that's hard for a lot of decks to deal with. So I think the psychic rise makes sense um, in turn yeah. there, and then the you know yeah. on the back burner though you have like these Eternatus decks which eat Mewtwo alive. It's insane. Sure. Um, <laughs> so you have this kind of weird interaction where you know the Urshifu is cream the Pikaroms and the Eternatus, and then Eternatus creams the Mewtwo's, and the Mewtwo is just destroying the the Urshifu, so <laughs> I don't, it's not yeah. like exactly rock, paper, scissors, because I think all of these decks have a chance against each other um, but it's that's kind of like a component of the metagame and then you have all these things from the outside looking in as well like the ADPs of the world that are just trying to take those designs out <laughs> sure, absolutely yeah, it, it certainly is uh, I mean, there's a very high power level to all of these decks, certainly some of the highest that 
I mean, the highest since I've ever, you know, since I've started playing for sure. Um, so, you know, it's just wild what uh, what some of these decks can come up with. But I think, too, there's a lot of outplay potential. There's a lot of comeback potential, particularly with decks like uh, like the Rapid Strike or Shifu, or even some of the slower decks that we've seen. You mentioned the Orbeetles, the Luke Metals of the world. There's definitely a lot of comeback potential. Pikaram, too, obviously has a lot of comeback potential. So I think there's certainly ways to outplay um, outplay opponents. And I think that's certainly showing through with not only just the variety of decks, that we're seeing, but also the amount of players. I think a lot of players think, "Hey, I have a chance to win. Like this, this game is actually fun, and I feel like I can uh, do things in this format that I maybe couldn't do in past formats." And I'm going to be interested in the game again. Absolutely. I I want to put a quick pin in the metagame discussion. I think we'll, there's plenty more to say, um, but this is a per, a great segue into my card of the day, um, which is also a bear. <laughs> so very nice. Um, you know, Urshifu on the rise um, and continued showings uh, inspired me to choose a card of the day. That's also a bear. Um, it's also a bear that had an impact on the meta. It wasn't the best card in the format. Um, maybe, maybe you know what I'm building up to at this point. Um, and it is Ursaring Prime. So, Dude, I was just going to guess it. Yeah, so Ursaring oh. Prime is another one of those beautiful Prime cards, you know, jumping out of the box of the art and has that kind of you know, fantastic little golden rings around it. Um, and it has an ability where if it's damaged, it does 60 more damage on all of its attacks. So kind of the idea with Ursa Ring is it's just a quick, easy attacker. You know, you get a little bit of damage on your board with a rainbow and you can attach a DCE and already start swinging with hammer arm for... 120 and you can use a second attack to do um 140 which is pretty threatening uh, especially at the speed at which you can get earth ring powered up to a lot of the format um and it's just a beautiful card it's bare it's cool um and i feel like teddy ursa and earth ring like don't get a lot of love in the tcg um and this is one of the few cards that actually showed them a little bit of love. true so i always true. like it when some of the uh I say this time and time again. I like it when the TCG kind of highlights Pokemon that wouldn't get otherwise highlighted. And Ursaring is like kind of one of those um, down on his luck Pokemon where he's like not really going to ever appear in the video game. He doesn't get a ton of cool cards, but this is one that really stuck out for him. Yeah, Beware really reminds me of this Ursaring. So I was playing this Beware deck and it has that <laughs> first attack as well. Hammer Arm does similar damage and discards the top card of your opponent's deck obviously has a very different second attack, which was the focus of that video. But um, <laughs> yes, Ursaring was definitely very present in my mind over the last couple of weeks. So I'm happy you, uh, happy you brought him up as the card of the day. I know, I know you love your primes as well. That's true. I do. I do love my primes. Let's, uh, let's hop back into the meta though. Um, speaking of the bears, there also has been kind of a shift in some people, not everyone, but in some people's style of playing Urshifu, um, popularized by my Pedro, Pedro Torres, there's the Inchino Snorlax build of Urshifu, which has kind of gotten some hype recently. Um, and that build is really interesting. The Snorlax is not something I would have thought to have included, but uh, you know, Pedro operates on a wavelength that I'm just simply not on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there, we talked about it last week. There's a number of ways that you can play Urshifu. And I think 
probably the least popular at this point is with the octillery. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So very, very interesting stuff. We've seen uh, top eight of the single strike Urshfu with Sinchino at the Full Grip Online Series. That's uh, made a number of appearances in other tournaments. And then also the prevailing archetype seems to be the Jirachi. And so, um, you know, very, very, very strong, very consistent. I, I played in a tournament with the Jirachi build of Rapid Strike Urshfu because I wanted to get more of a feel for it. Wanted to make sure that um, you know, when I talked about it, I wasn't, you know, talking, uh, you know, anything incorrectly. Right. And so I, uh, I played with that deck, went seven and two through Swiss and made top 32 where I lost very promptly to a Mewtwo deck that I maybe didn't play the best against, but, uh, certainly wasn't a good matchup either. So, um, <laughs> Very nice run. I felt like I had pretty decent matchups across the board and, and had a shot certainly in every single game I played um, and, and felt like I could I could outplay opponents and, and do what I needed to do. Yeah, I, I will say, like, no matter what variant of Urshifu you're playing, it, it always feels like you're kind of got a lot of options in front of you. I mean, there's all sorts of tricky things you can do to um, make yourself have a chance or you wouldn't otherwise or when do you wrap and flow versus when do you not. Um, so many cool options that the Urshfu deck gives you. It's really fun to play. Yeah, it sure is. Are there any other like big shifts that are sticking out to you as in the last couple of weeks here? Well, you talked about the rise of Mewtwo. I would say that that's the biggest thing is just you're seeing Mewtwo as its own standalone deck. You're seeing it in fire variants. You're seeing it paired with Victini. Um, you're even seeing, you know, I've, I've seen some pretty just out there Mewtwo builds where, you know, I mean, you have Mewtwo and things like Rillaboom or you have thing Mewtwo paired with, um, like water type attackers, right. in the, in the Frostmoth, like there's just some pretty wild things. Mewtwo certainly, certainly on the rise. Um, a deck that I haven't seen really much at all of is Sentascorch. I feel like that deck is pretty much died out um just maybe not taking uh, a very positive matchup against you know eternatus which again is still very big in the format um and maybe just not as consistent or as good as the victini builds that we've seen so i think send certainly um not a deck that you really have to worry about which makes metal based decks a lot better i think so lucario melmetal is certainly a deck that i would consider a good play. I mean, it, that one is the one that kind of fluctuates, right, with how popular fire decks are. But I think right now, um, you're looking at not a not a ton of fire in the metagame. You certainly have a lot of, you know, Victini decks. But if you look at the metagame as a whole, I think it's very favorable for most of the metal decks, particularly Luke Metal. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I think the Eternus matchup's also a wash at this point, um, with the Phoebe inclusion with the Pal Pad. Um so that's pretty rough as well. It's not the worst deck. I don't think Lucario Metal well, is a bad I, deck. I well, I will say, yeah, and that's a good thing that you point out, the Phoebe and the Palpad. So the idea with the Turnitus is that if they can get a Phoebe on your Zamazenta and then just find the Palpad and put Phoebe back in, then they should win that matchup. But that is something where I don't see those techs sticking around. Um, yeah, I just don't see those techs sticking around because it's the kind of thing where it's like... Uh, you know, when, when Greninja was played back, what, four years ago, and people were like, okay, do I include the, um, do I include the Giratina that prevents Greninja Prime from sniping, or do I not, or, you know, how much do I expect it to be played, and I, I just feel like the Phoebe and Eternatus 
is maybe not something that we'll see consistent play. I don't know. I think, uh, you know, also the thing with Giratina was it was also like super linear in its use case. Like it was only good for Greninja. And even then, like it didn't necessarily win you Greninja. Um, if you had like a deck that really lost a shadow stitching, for example, um, it wouldn't really matter if they could shuriken or not because they would just stitch you out of the game. Um, but the, uh, the Phoebe is like an auto, I don't know, auto win, but it's a huge, huge swing towards Eternatus in not only the um metal matchup, but it's also kind of like completely allows you to bully Decidueye out of the game. Um, sure. So it ha- it's kind of like a little more multifaceted. And, you know, Phoebe is like something you can play on an off turn. Like maybe your opponent has some kind of weird effect on their active that you can just pierce through. Um, when you don't need to play another supporter. Like, I think Phoebe's a little more useful in some other techs. Um, not to say that it's guaranteed to stay. It's just, uh, I don't know. I think if I can turn that big of a swing in my matchups and for a relatively low cost in Eternatus, I think Eternatus is one of those decks where it's pretty flexible and uh, kind of what you slot in after you get in that, like, core package. Um, I don't really see a reason not to... Fair enough. So you would you would recommend to anyone if they're playing Eternatus, you just play those two cards pretty much automatically. I mean, I think I think the Palpa is actually pretty good in general. Um, you know, it gets around. Sometimes we might have to like have a rough uh, research where you're discarding a lot of bosses, for example, mm-hmm. um, or when you're just using a lot of bosses. Like Eternatus can definitely be like a boss, boss, boss game kind of deck as well um, against other remaxes, as opposed to just hitting into the active if it wants to. Um, and Palpad kind of facilitates that a little bit more. So I don't think, I think the Palpad at least is like not a horrible card. It's just a generally useful thing to have. Um, the Phoebe is like, I think a little more controversial than the Palpad, to be honest. But I think it's useful enough to include. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that actually, I had a couple speed round questions for you. Um, it's in, in the theme. Uh, and one of them was actually kind of tangentially related to this. Um, so I'm just going to rattle through these, and you got to give me your off-the-cuff answer, all right? Okay, let's do it. All right. Question one, would you bring Picaram to a tournament right now? 100%. 100%. Impressive. 100%. All right. Um, question two, do you think Decedrui and the Cardio Melmetal are viable tournament options? I don't think that Decedrui is, but I think Luke Metal is. Any reason why... Um, Luke Metal over Decidueye? Um, well, I just find that like the 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 Luke Metal has fairly favorable matchups across the board. You have, I mean, Pikaram is, is a lot of people think that it's a favorable matchup. Um, there, you have Eternatus, which if they don't play Phoebe, is a very favorable matchup. You have ADP, which is a favorable matchup. So you look at kind of the top table. Oh, and uh, the Rapid Strike Urshifu is a very, very extremely favorable matchup even if they play phoebe even if they play mewtwo um it's just so hard to get around the the zamacentas so i would say just looking at the top you know again if you play an eternatus that has phoebe and palpad maybe you don't win that matchup but um otherwise you have really good matchups across the board to anything not fire um as opposed to the decidui well like you said i mean there is phoebe out there some people are playing phoebe in the rapid strike decks but i'd be worried about rapid strike for a different reason the sniping effect on that rapid strike can really lead to some problems in the early game for Decidueye decks that can't quite get access to 
their Mews um, and, and their bench Pokemon, right? There's often times where you only start that one quick ball um, in your opening hand or off of, you know, you, you research and you get a quick ball or something like that. Um, and you're only able to choose between, well, do I get another Rowlet? Do I get a Snorlax or do I get a Mew? And a lot of times there's no right answer. And so the rapid strike decks can really, really punish that with the, uh, with the turn two snipe on two Pokemon, either taking out two Rowlets or, you know, taking out your setup Pokemon, your Snorlax and, and something on the bench. And uh, it just gets really hairy to, to try to keep up with that. Makes sense to me. Um, next up, if you were to play a Mewtwo variant, which one would you choose? That's a great question. I would choose the Mewtwo Victini. I think that one is the most consistent, and Victini is uh, just strong, generally speaking. So I like it. Low maintenance and just generally strong. Got it. Uh, and then last of the speed round, if you were to take a deck to an event that wasn't among those like highest top-tier decks but still had a chance to win, in your opinion, um, what would that deck be? I think it would be Corviknight. Yeah, to kind of come out of left field. I saw a little bit of Corviknight on the uh, Full Grip stream, and I was pretty impressed overall with how the deck performed. Had, you know, I, I hadn't put a lot of time into Corviknight, and I certainly will this week when I get the chance, but um, it, it had some moves, you know, being able to move all the energy around, heal up with Cheryl, um, bronzong everything back to Azashin or Corviknight. I mean, it, it certainly had some uh, some options there. So, I liked the deck. I thought it was pretty interesting, and I feel like not enough people are putting time into it, and I, I think it could make a deep run with the right list. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's the speed round for today. Congratulations, JW. You win nothing. Um, Dang. <laughs> <laughs> but you put up a valiant effort. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Any other groundbreaking thoughts that you have on the format? I mean... It seems like it's in a pretty, uh, pretty much a state of flux right now. Like things can shift pretty heavily either direction if you blow on the wind the right way. Yeah, and I think there's you know there's not really a lot of stakes right attached to things. So I think you're looking at a lot of content creators that are trying things that are new that are interesting, um, not really you know caring about any kind of ramification. You know, people are just playing what they want to play, and and that's just generally good. I think that's a that's a good place to be in it. Uh, for for a fun aspect um and so we're seeing the format again it's a couple weeks in seeing it starts to kind of blossom people are finding access to all the cards that they maybe didn't have before and we're starting to see the cream kind of rise to the top right you look at the early formats and like there was there was very little rapid strike urshifu and now it's among the top three most played decks on any given day in any given tournament so absolutely you know we're starting to see that okay this actually is a good deck people are getting cards to it they're actually wanting to play it and it's putting up results so uh, it's been really cool to see absolutely one last thing i think we would be fools not to plug is players cup three the, mm -hmm. the finals is just on the horizon here so all of the regional champions and top fours have been determined. Um, so recommend checking out some of those VODs as well. Um, there was actually a really, really good game. I don't know if you saw this one, JW, but the, the Tord mill deck versus ADP game was insane. That was one of the coolest series I've ever seen. Uh, so definitely recommend checking that out, um, especially if you're curious about like how control can manifest in, in the current state of Pokemon, um, Tord 
clearly showed that and to the best of, of his ability. It was awesome. Um, I don't know if we were able to dig up the dates during the cast as far as when those finals are going to be broadcasted, but a lot of elite players from all the regions, like really like accomplished folks from all, all across the world are going to be coming into this top 16, so I'm excited to see it play out and what they'll be taking from Battle Styles. JW, yeah. if you were put on the spot in that Players' Cup 3 is one of those top 16, what would your deck of choice be? Yeah, well, first of all, we have Players' Cup coming up in two weekends. The Global Finals are on the 23rd through the 25th. So uh, still have another week that we have to wait um, for that. But, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of great players, like you said, and I'm, I'm excited. I hope somebody does bring, like Tor did, I hope somebody brings some kind of stall archetype, some kind of mill archetype, because in the right circumstances, it can absolutely do um, do some work. Now, is bringing stall like like ideal in kind of a, a quote unquote, you know, best of the best situation, right? Maybe not, but I would still love to see it regardless. Counterpoint though, I um, think you get you still get deckless in the top sixteen and deckless are a huge mm-hmm. advantage to stall players. That's very true. Yeah, that is a really good counterpoint. So in any case, I hope somebody chooses stall. We get a couple of new, you know, wrinkles with battle styles, you know, things like Phantom Waves would be uh, certainly a, an interesting inclusion in a, in a stall deck. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious to see what people choose. I have a feeling that Pikaram is going to make quite a showing. Awesome. Well, you heard it here first. Is a I, big it's, it's a broken standard. record, man. It's a broken record. Broken record. Never count Pikaram <laughs> out. Pikaram will rotate, and it'll still find its way into the top standard tournaments. <laughs> I mean, they did something right when they made their poster child among the best cards to ever be printed. Right? <laughs> Pikachu just, you know, it, it, it needed to be good. Right? And they definitely delivered. I, I think it's very fitting that ever since Pikaram and Reshi's Art have imprinted two of the most iconic Pokemon in all of Pokemon history, uh, being the Pikachu and Charizard, that they've been good the entire time. Um, but, like, good in kind of, like, a respectable way, where it's like, you know what, Pikaram? Like, you are right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can hang. <laughs> and, like, same for Reshi's Art as well. Like, I'm still making appearances in this format. So that's pretty cool. Um, people complain about tag teams. I think it's really ADP that I would complain about more than anything. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, so, great. This has been an absolute blast, Riley, once again. I do just want to say to the listeners out there, I had a number of people message me, which was uh, actually really cool. But they were like, hey, JW, where's the cast this week? And it turns out that our Spotify didn't get uploaded. So we're hoping that that's not an issue for the cast going uh, further. I think it, it wasn't anything on Riley's end because it was on all the other platforms that we posted to, but uh, for some reason didn't make it up to Spotify. So we're checking out that issue. Hopefully that will be resolved by the time you hear this cast, if you go to Spotify. so <laughs> <laughs> We are actively working with our, our hosting service to try and figure out more as well uh, in case there's anything more that we can do. Um, but that's a, a good opportunity to say as well. Like, do feel free to reach out to us um, if you have any problems, but also if you just want to chat. Um, so some great ways to reach us. You can reach our Twitches at uh, Flex Daddy Righteous and Munner. Uh, Munner is where we stream the cast, and Flex Daddy Righteous is JW's infamous Twitch stream where he will put awesome Pokemon card action on display as well as the Full Grip Online series. 
Uh, and we also are on Twitter. So that's at Smiles with Riles and at Real John Walter to get me and JW respectively. And that's a great way to reach us. And the Tag Team Podcast itself has a Twitter. That's at Tag Team Pokemon. Yeah, very well said, Riley. We can't wait to uh, to to be back again next week. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Another great cast. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Peace. See you.